0: We are the evidence, not the crime. We are the evidence of how DHHL are treating the Hawaiian people nowadays. We are not the crime, that we are squatters.
1: When I found out that I was living on homestead lands and that I was Hawaiian and that we were living on Hawaiian homestead, then it was almost like validation, like, no, I'm not a squatter. I'm not homeless. I am a Hawaiian beneficiary on Hawaiian homelands.
2: This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund.
1: Flag,
3: high. No to
2: I'm Kenji Cataldo.
3: I'm Suyuno Amos.
2: Each week, we'll be talking story with grassroots community organizers at the forefront of progressive movements for change in Hawaii.
3: Over this series, we're featuring the 30 grantees who received community-raised funds through the Hawaii People's Fund this year. It's our biggest cohort to date, and we're so excited to share their stories with you.
2: Today, we're talking with Aina Aloha Ioane and Ha'avina Wise from Kali'i William Ioane Legacy Foundation.
3: Aina Aloha and Ha'avina share with us their experiences growing up in Keaokaha Hawaiian homelands, also known as King's Landing. These homestead lands were claimed and created by Native Hawaiians, including Kalee William Iowane, or Skippy Iowane, who is Aina and Vina's father.
2: We recorded this interview remotely with Aina and Vina back in September, but this month we actually had the chance to visit them in person for their makahiki ceremony in Keokaha. We'll be putting out a special podcast extra soon about the King's Landing makahiki celebration with an impromptu interview we recorded with Skippy Iowane himself. So keep an eye out for that. But for now, on with the show.
3: Okay, so we're here with Aina and Ha'avina of Kei William Iowane Legacy Foundation. Um, Would you both like to introduce yourselves?
0: Sure.
1: Aloha o Aina Aloha o Waika'alulu Iowane Ka'u Inoa. My name is Aina Aloha Waika'alulu Iowane. I was born and raised in the village of King's Landing. Uh, the bay was Waika'alulu which is my middle name. Uh, we, My sister, my twin sister Vina, and I uh, the early part of last year during the pandemic, uh, we decided that it was the right time to start to formalize and I guess organize the things that my father uh, has put together in his lifetime. Uh, so we you know, founded the E. William Ioane Legacy Foundation. Uh, the three things that our foundation um, inspires to ensure is my father's music. Uh, his first CD was Big Island Conspiracy. And then his second CD was called uh, Wiley Kanak for his grandfather, my great-grandfather. So one of the missions of the foundation is to ensure his uh, music and to use his music uh, to inspire the new generation of Aloha Aina warriors. Uh, the other mission is to ensure the prosperity of the village of King's Landing and their community association of Maha, Malamaka'ina Hanaka'ina. And third is to ensure the prosperity and longevity of Makahiki in Keokaha.
0: Aloha, my name is Ha'avina Maikalani or Waikahalulu Iawane. Um, I am the fourth child of Kili'i, um, born in King's Landing. I'm more um, in the background of things, if I want to uh, say that. Aina usually is in the forefront, and, but I will give my mana'o when need when be.
3: I wonder if you could just start out by talking about your father's incredible legacy. You know, he was such a force in all of these struggles from Protect Koholave to even Mauna Kea Access Road and so much in between. Could you maybe talk about what were some of the biggest or most important successes in his life in these movements?
1: My father. Huh? Although every time somebody asks me to speak of my father, I just don't know where to begin. <laughs> So um, when I um, think about my father growing up, you know, to be a great leader, everybody in the community calls him, you know, this great leader and that he uh, was strongly involved in the movement. And as children, uh, just like uh, teachers in the classroom, we may not have seen all of that firsthand, like the rest of the world seen it firsthand. You know, he was in Waihole Waikane. He was. In Molokai, he was, you know, at Kaho'olawe, he was uh, at the capital, I mean, at the palace, you know. We went to the 100-year overthrow, you know, and for us, I don't really, I was in the sixth grade, I don't really know if we knew what was going on. We knew that we saw a whole bunch of our uncles that we see at every other kingdom meeting. And we knew that there was a big march and that we knew that we were on the palace grounds. But in the sixth grade or the fifth grade, I really don't know if I understood, um, you know, what we were being involved in. You know, we just thought it was another ku'e, the kingdom is alive, you know, rally. And then now when we look back in the big purple Onipa book, I'm like all ecstatic. Like we were a part of the hundred year anniversary, but then we didn't know what was going on. And so... uh, When people ask me what is one of his greatest uh, accomplishments, I have to go back to uh, to what we were involved in and what, uh, you know, made us who we are today. So I think my father's greatest accomplishment is uh, the establishment of the King's Landing Village and the establishment of Maha, Malama Ka'ina Hanaka'ina, the community association, because it was those entities that raised us as a family. And it was that fight with the Department of Hawaiian Homelands that uh, afforded us uh, our childhood uh, experiences. So to me, that was one of my father's greatest accomplishments, Uh, as well as Makahiki and Kiokaha. You know, when we were younger, like everything else, we didn't know what we were being a part of. We knew that once a year, dad would bring Lono. And that we would have ceremony and then it would be fun and games for the whole weekend. You know, we were it was a real thing to win Ulumaika, you know, and and tally up your points and 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 be the one whose name is called on the mic when they announce the winners. It was a real thing. (laughs) And, you know, who's going to be the fastest this year in the hey, hey? And uh, the fishing tournament, you know, luckily I, I was good at Udumaika and running because I don't think I ever won the fishing tournament. And so, you know, other kids who were no more adept at it <laughs> did better at the fishing tournament. But what we remember is that it was a great weekend and people would come and daddy would feed people for free. And so that's what we understood. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's uh, in a sense like Christmas, a holiday to us. It happens every year. We know it's coming. We know what to expect. We know we're going to see family and friends, and and we know we're going to have a, a good time as a community and, you know, eat stew all day. So those are, you know, in my eyes, in my perspective growing up, two of my father's greatest accomplishments.
0: If I do want to add to one thing about my father's uh, greatest accomplishments, um, his his uh, lyrical scriptures. Um, just the other week, my sister used one of them in one of her posts to reflect back on um, our current situations and what we are trying to accomplish. And she had mentioned one of his uh, scriptures of "We are the evidence, not the crime." So one of my father's great third accomplishment, I guess we could say, is his lyrical scriptures that we can go back and use it as resource, as like um, as knowledge. We are the evidence, not the crime. We are the evidence of how DHHL are treating the Hawaiian people nowadays. We are not the crime that we are squatters in our own land.
3: Could you introduce MAHA and what the MAHA Association is all about, as well as your experience with King's Landing and? what that really was for your father to start that, you know, what was that experience like for you growing up?
1: Sure. You know, that, that's that been an, an ongoing question lately with us because we are currently in the process of communicating with the Department of Hawaiian Homelands, um, our current status. Maha Malamaka Aina Hanakaina was formed in 1981. Uh, my father... Let's back a little. My father was awarded land in Keokaha from his great grandfather. Faced with roadblocks, he, he started to get frustrated, of course, my father, with all things that have to do with the state and, and the Americas. Uh, so he wanted to find uh, a different way. His Nao was telling him that this shouldn't be the way that I am expected to rehabilitate myself as a Hawaiian. So he went to King's Landing. Uh, he asked, first he asked my grandfather, my great-grandfather, what he thought of it. And, uh, he encouraged him and he supported him. And so this was nearing the end of my great-grandfather's, uh, time. He was, uh, on, uh, using, uh, what is that? A cane at that time, a ko'oko. And so my father uh, took him in to King's Landing and, uh, when he decided upon the area, he started, he would hand cut with, you know, just a kid knife. He hand cut the trail. And first he just, the original trail was to find the place that he would then uh, lay the house to so the foundation. And and he cut the trail and it took him, I feel like he said it took him all day. He cut a little bit and then he would help my um, great grandfather, Grandpa Ioane up and walked him up to the next place, put his chair down and sat grandpa down and then started to clear again. And then when he opened up a big enough space, he would go and get grandpa and they would walk and he would take the chair and they would sit it down. And then at the point that uh, both my father and my grandfather thought that this was the suitable place and it, it had a combination to do with the lay of the land, the topography, you know, King's Landing is very rough terrain. You know, it's not flat ground. It's not, uh, not dirt, it's all rock and it's ravines. And so, when they found uh, the right land and the right uh, feeling, then Grandpa Iwane told my father that that would be the place. And so, uh, Grandpa Iwane and dad did their pule, asking the space and uh, for the opportunity to raise his family in there. And and that's how uh, Ka'alulu was born and our Hale was born. And my father used, um, you know, he, t- I remember, I have a memory of him taking us somewhere in Hilo and, uh, taking lumber. So like when places would be, uh, rebuilding, you know, or, or, um, tearing down the structure, my father would go, I don't know how he knew of this, but he would go and collect the wood that they were going to throw away. And so he would load it up on the flatbed I actually, every time I see that house, it's right downtown by Longs. Every time I see that building, I remember, I remember taking wood from that building and then taking it into King's Landing to add to our Halle. And so that's how dad built uh, the Halle that we all grew up in from, you know, someone else's leftover material. He repurposed it. And luckily his brother, Ankuwesin, is a, a construction worker. So he facilitated in the building of our Halle. Um, And so then in 1982, my father only had, I think, the oldest at that time. He was served on eviction notice from the Department of Hawaiian Homelands um, because he, you know, did not acquire the land through the necessary tedious, long process of the Department of Hawaiian Homelands. And so uh, my father reached out for help. And uh, he found a few collective people to help. And then together at that time, uh, after my father was there for a year, other families had begun to move in to King's Landing. And as a whole, they created uh, MAHA, Malamaka'ina, Hanaka'ina, as the community association to then communicate with the Department of Hawaiian Homelands. So the collective Hawaiian Homes beneficiaries who were, you know, occupying the land came together and created an entity. And then and so that is why Maha was created, so that the Hawaiian beneficiaries who were occupying that land could come together uh, as a community and then collectively uh, speak out to the larger community. And so they began the discussion with the Department of Hawaiian Homelands. And and the result of that was the right of entry uh, that allowed the right of entry was between the Department of Hawaiian Homelands as the grantor Tour and Maha Aina Aina, is the grantee and so Maha was awarded a right of entry for King's Landing and uh to occupy it with the intention that the community would create a management plan for the use of the place and so then the department then funded through a through a grant uh funded the creation of the management plan and so Palapala Inc um back then collected the information and uh interviewed all the informants of King's Landing and then together they created the King's Landing Management Plan that was then submitted to the Department of Hawaiian Homelands in 1986. Um, and so where are we now? You know, 30, 37, 35 years later, um, when we were younger, we went to community meetings, but all we remember from community meetings was the uncles was talking and hanging out and then we would go play. And so that was our involvement when we were younger. We, I, I have to honestly say that my father uh, kept us out of a lot of things when we were younger. And what he'll say is that he was protecting us from, you know, whatever the hardships were. And so as children, we didn't even know what was going on. We just enjoyed our merry selves. And, um, we, ne- I never even knew that we were living on Hawaiian homelands when we were younger, uh, the outside community, you know, called us squatters and called us homeless. So that is what I thought, because that is what they told me. I thought I was homeless and that my father just randomly picked land and that we were squatting on, I guess at that time, state land, I don't know what, or county land, you know, uh he never told, he never told us. And so we never knew. And um, it wasn't until uh, later that I found, I feel like I was in middle school or high school by that time that I found out that we were actually living on Hawaiian homelands. And then I was somehow instilled with all this pride. Oh, I'm a (laughs) homesteader. I live on the homestead. And so uh, it started to uh, make me or, or rebalance myself because when the mainstream world likes to tell you, well, tells you and puts pressure on you that you're, uh, homeless, you know, you question all these things that you once held valuable to you, you know, once hold dear to you. And so when, when I found out that I was living on homestead lands and that I was Hawaiian and that we were living on Hawaiian homestead, then it was almost like validation. Like, no, I'm not a squatter. I'm not homeless. I am a Hawaiian beneficiary on Hawaiian homelands. And so really that was just a, uh, me beefing myself up because I don't you know I wasn't necessarily mad at an
0: individual person it was more of a a community pressure on us okay I wanted to add you asked what was it like growing up in King's Landing and to be honest it at at the time it was something it was shameful at the time but because like my sister said we were called squatters we were called homeless nobody came bumpy road At the end of Kalani Anno Ole, when the paved road ends, everybody turn around. Only us bumpy road people went to the bumpy road. And growing up in middle school, it got hard. You know, socially. Never have phone number for pass out. Can we pick you up? No, thank you. (laughs) Nobody come to my house, pick me up. You cannot call me. We never have pager even. (laughs) But now, at an older age, going back, I'm proud. So it's a, it's that time to reflect. Now that when I go to the community meetings and when I take my kids to the community meetings, I can't wait for my kids to get those little parts of my childhood growing up. So we, I try to bring my kids as often as possible. Now at an older age, I reflect and I am very proud to be from Maha.
1: Growing up was, um, you know, before... The, the pressures of the outside world and before the pressures of, you know, the adolescent years growing up in King's Landing, I think for, for us was actually very um, adventurous, you know, in, in, in elementary, I, I don't remember it being a problem. I mean, nobody was concerned in, in elementary about where you live and, and, and things like that. And we, we went to Kula Puni. So, you know, we knew our classmates from kindergarten And so everybody, you know, knew us, knew where we came from and knew that we lived in King's Landing. And at the time they called it the Bushes. So we lived in the Bushes. Um, and, And it was very adventurous because, you know, we we had the entire coast to ourselves. You know, we would swim in in, uh, really clean water because it's just us. We'd swim in freshwater ponds. And I say we because my sisters and then our our neighbors, right, we had two other families at that time that had kids. So we'd always go together in a pack. And uh, for us, it, it was super fun. You know, I, I think for us, it felt like any other um, neighborhood where you ride bike to your friend's house and then you pick them up and you guys go to the park. And, you know, we did the same thing and ride bike to my friend's house and I picked them up. But we would go to the coast or we go to the beach or we go to a pond. And so, you know, and we we'd make make pretend tree houses. And so in, in elementary, it was very idealistic, I think, for us. And then in and then middle school and high school, like my sister was saying, it, w- it became very difficult because, you know, simple things like when people would pass around the composition books and put their numbers in, we, we couldn't do simple things like that because there's no telephone line in the Aina. And at that time, they had uh, cell phones, but it was the one that looked like a phone and then it came in a big case and it was only meant for emergencies and nobody can call the house. Hello. We all live in an open, in an open space. What if somebody wants to call? Everybody can hear your conversation. There was no privacy in Dying. So, uh, and rarely did we have sleepovers because, you know, it was scary for other people to come to our house. You know, it's not, um, it's not a um, a, a normal looking house of, of today. You know, it's, it looks a little bit more single wall plantation, but, you know, different color woods because they came from different houses. So uh, I think the environment was different to other people, but, you know, it was home to us. And so it didn't seem very odd until, you know, you become you, you kind of lose yourself in the, the, the strange adolescent years.
3: Mahalo for sharing that. Um, maybe would you like to talk now about the Kaukaha Makahiki ceremony? I know that's a big tradition you want to carry on through E. William Iwane Legacy Foundation. So I'm wondering what you have planned for Makahiki moving forward.
1: Where are we going with Makahiki now? Um, We are expanding Makahiki. When we were younger, uh, Kaumeke, Kaumeke Ka'e public charter school, because my mother was teaching there. She um, brought the ceremony of opening up Makahiki to the school. And so she established it there. And so it became a tradition that Ka'umeke, uh, and then later on, they welcomed other schools in Kaukaha, Kaukaha Elementary, uh, Kamehameha Preschool, uh, Hi'ikeaka, And then also the Hawaiian language from Hilo High came Their Hawaiian language class would come and, uh, do the opening ceremony. And then after the open, and they would play makaiiki uh, Makaiki games and have ceremonial food. And then we would have the weekend, uh, for the community. And Saturday was usually Makaiki games, music starts at 10, uh, free food until the kitchen closes. And then Sunday, same thing, opens at 10 and fishing tournament and then uh, food until the kitchen closes. And so that's how it's been for 37 years. So now that uh, we started the foundation and um, it was encouraged, strongly encouraged to take a stronger leadership role in Makahiki, Uh, we are expanding it to to a larger community. Now it is a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, a five-day event. And uh, it's going to once again open up with Kaumeke, with the schools of Keokaha, and they're going to hold their Makahiki ceremony. Uh, However... COVID allows us to have it this year. Last year, it was, you know, we just had to keep to the numbers that were allotted. uh, And it was kind of an in and out thing. And so this year, I'm hoping for a little bit more, but it's always a touch and go. And I won't know probably till the day before what it's really going to look like. Uh, But it will open up at Ka'umeke. They will hold their yearly ceremony and have the ceremonial food. Uh, they will choose back at their campus if they're going to continue to hold the Makaiki Games. And then uh, Wednesday will be for uh, County Council. I invited leadership of Hawaii to participate in Makaiki Ceremony. And so I reached out to our County Council members and I will be training them on Makaiki Ceremony. And so that includes one chant that was composed for Makahiki by Auntie Nalani, because she's a board member, (laughs) because I asked her to. Um, And then one dance that um, I composed. I didn't uh, write the chant. The chant comes from the story of uh, Pelin Hi'iaka. When Hi'iaka goes to Kaua'i to get uh, Lohiao, he unfortunately dies. And Hi'iaka has to bring him back to life. And so this Lono chant that I composed the dance for is part of that uh, set that she uses to bring him back to life. And so it's my first composition as a dancer. So I'm actually very excited. Uh, and so I, I wanted to reach out to a larger community to participate in ceremony. Because what happened last year was uh, I kind of made like a drive-through ceremony. I put it out on social media and I said, if you want to participate in Makahiki, we will be here from this time to this time. And um, come and bring your ho'okupu and I will help lead you through the ceremony. You know, And we only had about 10 minutes to do groups. Like it was in, do the ceremony, give your ho'okupu. I passed them a ceremonial food and then they had to eat in their cars. And that's what it was like last year. And so based on that, I wanted, I realized that maybe, maybe people want to be a part of makaiki and maybe the larger community want, you know, to do ceremony because especially after the mauna, you know, people are into protocol and dancing and chanting and ceremonies. So I, I always wanted to provide, uh, an opportunity for the community to do that. So that, so that in a sense, we can normalize ceremony and normalize, you know, Hawaiian protocol. And so that's what um, Makahiki is expanding into. Uh, I'm pro- I also reached out to businesses uh, and organizations within the Waikiki Ahupua'a, which is the Ahupua'a that um, Kaukaha is in. Uh, and I... I'm also working with the Department of Hawaiian Homelands to reach out to um, businesses that hold uh, licenses on Hawaiian homelands that conduct businesses to come and participate, you know, in a Hawaiian homestead event, Makahiki, because it's hosted at Puhibe at Kulapai, which is Hawaiian homestead lands. And so, so, so that we can, you know, create a larger network of togetherness because, you know, It is the beneficiaries that go to your stores and it is the community that, you know, allows these businesses to thrive. So so what my manao was, why don't you give back to your people and you can do that by being a part of ceremony. And so I'm reaching out to them and holding workshops to train them on the one dance and one chant. And then we're going to end Makahiki at lehi'a. Lehia is the county park that sits right outside of King's Landing. And so we pass this park every day to go home. And we've passed it every day of our lives. When we were younger, like my sister said, nobody went back there. But now, you know, it is a county space and there's not... We have less beaches after the eruption. You know, all of Pohiki got to go somewhere now. And so now there's more and more people on our beaches. And so there are more people down at uh, Lehia. And so at Lehia County Park is where we will hold the community event. Uh, It used to be at Pohibe, but um, given the opportunity uh, to be at the county, the county is very supportive of our endeavors. And so... Uh, in creating this relationship between our family, our foundation, and the county, we're going to be having the community event down at Lahia. And so that's, that's where we are at Mak-
3: Yeah, it sounds like regardless of what you're able to do or not do with COVID, it's still really exciting and powerful that you're expanding the network with the county and all of these businesses involved.
1: Thank you. It's a, it's a new um, space for me because, you know, I came from education and in, in, in the classroom, you know, the kumu is boss of all things. Right. And so uh, it's different to be in this seat where now that I, I have to like create relationships and network with with people that I've never had to communicate with before.
3: <laughs> yeah. And educating them, too. And, you know, teaching them a chant and a hula. That's super awesome.
2: Yeah, it's so cool to hear about all the connections you're making. I wanted to ask now about your and Maha's vision for the future. What do you see for the future of King's Landing?
1: I think right now my Maha people, they're really focused on land security. And so right now all our conversations surround that, surround securing long-term leases and also um, ensuring that there are the It's hard to say right people, that there are the right people on the land because, you know, just like all other land, it's desirable to people. And so we have non-Hawaiian Homes beneficiaries who have entered into King's Landing. And so one of the major concerns is to get them removed and then to also secure our long-term leases. Uh, I am, I am, what is it, warming my community up to once we can secure that to open up to the larger community. And so that would be, you know, a larger vision of, of Maha that we, you know, we, we hosted one school, Ka'umeke, because my mother, she, she brought her class in to do a limu observation. And so those types of things is what I'm, you know, encouraging my community to, to be comfortable with in the future, you know, to allow schools in to do their, to do research projects, you know, to look, we have beautiful uh, kahekas, what is kaheka? Taipus, you know, to do safe taipu observations, uh, to look at what subsistence living could be, you know, to open, to broaden the possibilities to, you know, our our students and to, you know, future Hawaiian home beneficiary um, homesteaders, you know, growing up, Every I, I only know one type of homestead, right, which is the residential type of homestead that you see, you know, house, house, house and paved road. And so, you know, maybe there's other future homesteaders that want subsistence living, you know, want to live off the aina, want uh, to have a, a stronger involvement in how their house looks in the building of their house, you know, and want to have a stronger involvement in community. And so, I'm preparing my, my community to be, you know, comfortable with welcoming others (laughs) in knowing that we have to still, uh, secure who we are. So, so yeah, that's the future.
3: Um, we haven't yet touched on really your father's music and how important that is to your foundation. What are your plans in terms of bringing his music forward?
1: You know, I really, really, really want to, in my lifetime, rewrite the history books. I know, I know all Native people want to do that, but I want to rewrite the history books because growing up, uh, we, we went to Kaipuni and to Charter. And so we did get pieces, you know, of our, of our history and of our heritage, but we did not get, you know, my father's music, if you listen to it, it took me 37 years to understand my father, just like it took me 37 years to understand my aunt Nalani. So I know that his music is very inspiring, but I know that a lot of people may not be able to understand it, especially if they didn't live the experiences and especially if they don't understand um, the political struggle of Hawaii from kingdomhood to territory to statehood. And so my father's music, especially um, his first CD, Big Island Conspiracy, that's what he focuses on. He focuses on the overthrow. He focuses on... Uh, the religious overthrow. And uh, he focuses on how uh, the Hawaiian is, you know, confused. He calls them confused because they're, they're not sure where they, where they fit. And so the, the vision of our foundation is uh, to heal the forest. You have to first heal the individual tree. And so that is my father's goal with his music, to be able to heal a lahui and and our people. You have to be able to heal the individual kanaka because you cannot get to your community and then to your larger lahui if you never get to the individual. And so that is our goal with my father's music, to be able to reach the individual uh, kanaka, to to inspire and motivate them so that we can be uh, a you know, a thriving Lahui. And I really wanted to um, use his music to tap into, you know, adolescence, because that was the time for, you know, me and my sister, where you really don't know who you are and you're really influenced by, you know, media and mainstream America. And so if if we can get to that stage with my father's music to inspire them, to give them a sense of grounding, then, you know, we can have leaders sooner than 37. <laughs> uh, and so I, I, I was asked to speak at a, a panel with um, NDN and they were doing land back. And so they're going to use uh, my father's music because he was on a, another uh, episode. And so they're going to use his music uh, in curriculum for high school students. So I volunteered <laughs> To be a part of that so that I can see, you know, how they're not just see how they're using it, but to kind of get my ear in of, you know, what, what curriculum could look like using my father's music. And so um, I'm excited that they're starting it because that's one of the goals of our foundation to use his music in curriculum and to use his, mu- use his music to inspire, you know, future aloha'ina warriors. 'Cause you know, he did. My father did inspire a lot of people. So that's what I hope with the music. So that um that I can help bridge that gap through curriculum. Um, what the the messages that he's saying in his music. And then, you know, reach our Kiki. Vince, did you wanna add something?
0: I just wanted to add something about dad's lyrics. Is one of his newer songs that he um just posted was um is it is that what he called it? So, my dad says that um, the Kanaka nowadays, their their Umeke, their Vai, their Umeke is cracked. And so, their Vai is leaking. Their, their Vai inside of their Uhane is leaking and it's leaving them. So, what they're doing is they're filling that Vai with drinking, drugs, whatever they can fill because their Uhane, their Vai and their Uhane is leaking. So, that's another example of how his scriptures help us or motivate us or teach us. So like for our keiki nowadays who are drinking and getting into drugs, we have to fill that crack, fill out how to fill that crack. And how do we fill that crack? We go back to mama earth. And once we create that connection, then your umeke will be, what is that? Like a peva, your umeke will be fixed and then your uhane will fill up with its vai again.
3: I mahalo you both. You've been so generous in sharing your maolelo with us today.
0: Thank
2: you. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me. And me. With additional support from... Mickey! Our theme music is Revolutionary from the band Ukla The Mock, written and sung by Mickey Huihui. Production of this podcast is supported by a fellowship from Princeton University. Thank you to our community donors and to you, our audience, for listening.
3: In our next episode, we'll be speaking with Kekula Nui Owaimanalo.
2: There is a
0: sense of historical trauma still on our youth. Um, and with that, we cannot expect for change to happen in a one-day workshop.
3: You don't want to miss it.